Let me welcome everybody that's joining us online uh, through our, our video podcast and, and those over in the cafe right now that are joining us in the overflow. Uh, this is going to be a, a great day to kind of wrap up the finale of our series, It Is Written. We've taken the last four weeks, and my heart and desire is to get you to fall in love with God's Word, to fall in love with the Bible, and get it so deep inside of you that, that it literally kind of uh, becomes the very fabric of who you are. I love Charles Spurgeon, the great pastor of the 1800s in London, England. He had the famous quote, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And this is my goal for all of you. Like, I want to see your Bibles falling apart. Like, I want to see pages coming out and and highlighted and underlined and written in and having to get it rebound because the Bible is just worn out. Because what I know is those of you that have worn out Bibles, your life is pretty well put together because there's something about the more of God I get inside of me, the more of God's Word I I get inside of me, the more powerful and the more stable and the more, more strength I have to live the life that I'm in. Jesus put it like this, and this is kind of where we ended last week. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching. And last week I asked you the question, does that reflect your relationship with the Bible? Like, would, would you say that describes my relationship with the Bible? Or, or is your relationship with the Bible like, I try to fit it in? Like, like, I try to squeeze the Bible into my day, and I try to fit in the Bible. It's important to, to read a little bit of Bible every day. Or is your attitude, I hold to God's teaching? Because here's the thing. We're, we're ending the series today. Like, we leave the series today, but I don't want you to leave God's Word. Like, I want you to hold to it. I want you to take what you've learned over the last four weeks, because you've probably never been more motivated to read the Bible than right now, because you're hearing it every Sunday. But what I want is I want you to hold to it, because Jesus says those that hold to it really are my disciples. Like, like they're my disciples. And then he gives the benefit of holding to it. Then you will know the truth. Now, this word know is the Greek word genosko. It's not kind of intellectually know, but it's to intimately know. Like, like the truth is inside of me. It's woven into me. Like I've applied the principles and, and this stuff into my, every area of my life. And he goes on to say, when you do that, the truth will set you free. See, all of you right now, you can think of different areas of your life where you have challenges. Like, like maybe you have a challenging marriage right now. Maybe you have a challenging financial situation right now. Maybe it's a challenging business or, or challenging family dynamic or relationships. Maybe, maybe you're experiencing some challenges with your kids right now. Here's what will happen. When you hold to God's teaching and, and you know the truth and you get it inside of you, you're going to find freedom in all those areas of your life that you've been challenged in. No is the process. It's the process of getting it deep down inside of you to experience the freedom that you've been looking for. But let's be honest, holding on to stuff can be kind of tough. When we started the year, we started every year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And every year during the fast, when, when I'm fasting, when, when I reintroduce myself to food after the fast is over, I always try to say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave certain things behind. Like, like I'm going to go back to eating, but I'm not going to eat certain, like I'm going to leave out dairy, I'm going to leave out sugar, I'm going to leave out soda. But how many know it's hard to hold all that stuff over time? It's like, you know, it's like you lose all this weight during the fast. And then over the last couple of months, you, you find out I really didn't lose it because I'm, I'm reacquainting myself with it all. Like I'm finding it all again. Like just the other day, I found two pounds. It wasn't missing. It was right over there and getting to know it again. And it's like, you know, but, 
But, but what we want to do is learn how to like hold on to something where it's not just a season, but it becomes a lifestyle. So today, we're going to talk about how do we really hold on to God's Word. So I'm going to give you three points today uh, to really help you hold on to God's Word. Here's point number one. Make it the foundation of my life. You have to make God's Word the foundation of our life, which means it is our choice. You choose to make it your foundation. It means everything in your life is built on God's word. See, here's the thing about foundations. Foundations are there, but they can't be seen. Like you can't see a foundation, but you know it's there. And the quality of any building is determined by the foundation you build it upon. In other words, the quality of your marriage The quality of your business, the quality of your parenting, the quality of your your finances is all contingent on the foundation that you have built those things upon. Jesus said it like this, everyone who hears these words of mine, you hear hear God's word and when you put it into practice, he said, you're going to be like a wise person who built their house on the rock. Like you're building on a strong foundation. And in the very next verse, he goes on to say, there's storms coming. Like you're going to experience some more storms in your life. You know, I wish as your pastor, I could prevent you from ever going through another storm. But here's what I know. You're going to have trouble in this world. Like there's more storms brewing. Like like you're going to experience things this fall and you're going to experience these things next year. Like there's storms coming. But they don't have to affect you the way they used to affect you. Like you can build your life on a rock so that even when the storm comes, you will not be shaken. You will not be moved. You don't have to crumble the way you used to crumble every time the storms of life would come. But here's the problem. Too many of us are building on the wrong foundation. Jesus said the foolish man builds on sand. Too many of us are building our lives on the wrong foundation. I want to just give you three Three things that I see so many people and even a lot of Christians building their life on that honestly is just sand. It's the wrong foundation to build on. And here's the first one, popular culture. Po- like like what's, what's popular? Like, like what's socially acceptable today? Like what, is, what does culture say? Here's the thing. Pop culture changes. God doesn't. Like God's truth stays the same. And again, you have to decide. Like, how much of the secular do you want into your life? How much of popular culture do you want to feed on? Like, how much do you, because again, your diet is going to determine your health. Like, your your, your spiritual body, your physical body, your emotional body is going to reflect the diet of what you feed on. So again, you got to decide. You don't need a holy errand to tell you what you can and can't do. You have a Holy Spirit. It's not my job to set rules. But what I want to challenge you to do is not ask the question, is it right or is it wrong? Ask the question, what's best? Because there's a lot of things that may be permissible that's not going to be beneficial to your future, to who you are. When you begin to feed on the things of God, it changes you. Exodus says it like this, do not follow the crowd. Don't follow popular culture. I know everyone's saying, well, that's the way it is, and and this is where we're at, and this is 2016. Listen, you don't have to follow the crowd if it's going in an opposite direction of God's word. Follow God's word. Here's another one that too many people are building their life on right now, reason. 
reason. Reason is this, is, well, let me think it through first. Like, like, let me see what I have to say about it. Like, you know, here's my opinion. I got all these people that always ask, well, pastor, what's your opinion on this? You know, it's kind of arrogant for me to even have an opinion. It, it has, it's, not, it's not about what do I think. It's about what does God say? God's not silent. You know, God has told me. So it's not, it's not about my opinion and what I think. It's about what God has said. See, reason is, well, you know, I thought about it, and, and here's what I think, or, or here's what seems right to me. Or, you know, uh, you know, we thought about it, and I know that the Bible says this, but, you know, come on, Pastor, times are changing, and, you know, the, you, know we, you can't really mean that anymore, and we've got to kind of change what it means, and maybe we need to redefine some things. So we're living in a world where we're redefining sexuality and we're redefining marriage. And, and now a lot of Christians are even confused on things that, that honestly the Bible's not silent or unclear about. We, we may not like it. It may not be socially acceptable. But the Bible is not silent or unclear. And here's the problem. Proverbs says it best. There's a way. Like th- there's reasoning that seems right to man. Like I thought about it and this is what seems right. And, and this is what kind of fits 2016. And this is where we're kind of at as a culture. But in the end, it'll lead to death. It'll lead to heartache and problems. See, anytime you're reading the Bible and the Bible contradicts what you think, like you read something and, and, and the Bible says this and, and yet you believe that, can I give you some advice? Go with God. Like, like, go with the smarter one. Go with the bigger one. That's, that's why he's God. Like, like, he's God for a reason. Go with God. He knows what he's doing. And then here's the last thing that I see a lot of people building their life on. And honestly, this one's ridiculous to me. And we talk a lot about it as a church. And it's feelings. Feelings. Why? You can't trust your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you every single time. Anytime I chose to go with my feelings over God's word, I got hurt. So so you don't even need me to preach this one to you. All you got to do is go try this one out. Go test, go put this to the test. Follow your feelings over God's word and all you're going to experience is chaos and heartache in your life. If you want to go to the most tragic book in the Bible, the most chaotic book in the Bible, a book that is full of heartache and full of pain and, and just f- full of it. It's the book that we just, as a church, began reading in our one-year Bible, the book of Judges. Look at the very last verse of the very last chapter of the book of Judges and explains why the book was so chaotic, why the book was so full of tragedy and heartache. It says, and at that time, there was no king in Israel. They didn't follow God as their king, and people did whatever they felt like doing. They follow their feelings. They follow their feelings and it ended badly for them. It hurt. So let me give you two tests to help you figure out what you're building your foundation. Like what is your foundation? What are you building your house on? And it's two questions. First is what do I do when I don't understand? Like pastor, you got me reading the Bible now and and I'm reading and there's a lot of things in here that I just I just don't understand. Well, let me say it like this. Let God be true and every man be a liar. That, that that's really what it comes down to. That I don't have to understand everything in this book to agree with it. Like like if I get to a place where I don't understand something, I'm going to accept it and I'm going to agree that God's way is right. Cuz here's the thing. God's ways are not our ways, and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
which means there's going to be things in here I don't understand. And, and I'm, to be honest, I'm glad that I don't understand it all. Here, here's the problem. If I understood all of this, if I understood all of who God was, we'd all be in trouble because God would not be that impressive if I could figure him out in my little human brain. Like, so I like the fact that there are parts of God that I fully can't comprehend and I fully don't understand. And so I accept it. Even when I don't understand, I trust. I don't know. I'd like to know. I'll I'll study it. I'll try to learn it. But even if I never find the answer, God, I'm going to trust you. And then here's the next question. What do I do when when I understand what it's saying and I just don't like it? Like, that's a problem right there. Like, like what, what do I do? Like, I know what it's saying, and I don't agree at all. Like, I don't like it. That goes against everything I feel. It goes against all my reason. It goes against popular culture. Like, what do I do when I don't like what it says? Well, now you've got the dilemma of, am I going to try to adjust the Bible to fit me, or am I going to adjust me to fit God's word? And this is how you build a foundation. You accept it. And here's the truth. Most of the time, you're never going to understand it until you accept it. Because understanding follows obedience. Like you obey, then all of a sudden you're like, I get it now. I understand it now. But oftentimes you're never going to understand before you obey. And it's a tragedy to me how many people are missing out on so many incredible things in their life because they won't try it. Like, they've never even tried it. They just, well, I don't like it. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I'm just not going to do it. And they're missing out of what their life could be if they would just try it. So here's number one. Make it the foundation of your life. And, and let me say it like this. If you don't accept number one, then number two and number three aren't going to do you any good. So, so if I've already lost you, like, like you're already like kind of out the door mentally, like, like I, you know, forget that. Uh, you can just kind of play Candy Crush the rest of the service or whatever you want to do because this really isn't going to mean much for you. But let's move on for everybody else. Here's number two. Make it the first part of my daily life. So first we make it foundational, then we got to make this the first part of our daily life. And this is where it's going to get very practical. Jesus said it like this. Seek first. First. Here's the thing. First things matter to God. Like what you put first matters to God. Like what you do with your income when you first get paid matters to God. What you do with your time, what you do with your week. The reason we come to church on Sundays, we give God the first day of the week. Before before we do anything for ourselves, we give God the first day. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else is going to be taken care of. Like everything else is going to be all right. And if you study this in context, the, the whole the whole discussion is about worry and fear and anxiety. Like people are worrying and fear. And Jesus says, guys, listen, you don't need to, you don't need to stress out. You don't need to worry. Just, just put God first and everything's going to be okay. So here's the thing. If you want to know how to focus on your worry, don't focus on it. That's how you focus on it. Like, like, Here's your option. You can focus on God and God will focus on you, or you can focus on you and God, God will sit there waiting. And it's your choice. And can I just say, when you focus on God and let God focus on you, he's going to do a lot better job for you than you'll do for yourself. So Jesus says, seek first, put God first and everything else will be taken care of. So let me give you some practical ways to do this. Here's one that I call the first 15. And Honestly, for some of you, this is going to be like really, really easy. 
But for a lot of people who are starting out this journey, this is going to be life-changing for you. And this is something everybody here can do. And it's, and it's talking about the first 15 minutes of your day. Like, what do you do the very first 15 minutes you're awake, the first 15 minutes of your day? And I know you, a lot of you are thinking, well, I don't have a lot of time. You have 15 minutes. I promise you, you can find 15 minutes to begin your day. And this will change, this will change your life. It'll change your day, but it'll change your life. So let's talk about the first 15 minutes of the day. Spend five minutes in the Word. Five minutes reading the Bible in God's Word. Now, I personally do the one-year Bible. And for me, in the average reader, it takes about 15 to 20 minutes a day to read through our reading plan, the one-year Bible. We've got that available online and, and handouts that we give to kind of do the one-year Bible plan. But if, you, if, you're, if you're thinking, well, I don't have 15 minutes to read the Bible, like, like that's okay. Just do the New Testament portion. It'll take you about five minutes just to read kind of the one chapter from the New Testament in our one-year Bible. You're like, well, I don't have five minutes. Okay, do the Psalm. The Psalm will take you about a minute, just one minute and read the Psalm. You know, well, I don't, I don't have a minute. Okay, take 10 seconds and just read the Proverbs every day. Like, like just read the Proverbs portion of the one-year Bible. I would rather have you read one sentence than nothing. And I guarantee if all you did was read the Proverbs section of our one-year Bible every morning, take you 10 to 15 seconds, read the Proverbs section every morning, just get the wisdom of God in you, it'll change your life. See, a lot of you have to drive to work every day. There's apps out there. If you go to our website and download our YouVersion app to read our Bible plan online, it has a, a function where you can actually listen to it being read to you. So if you're driving in your car, just hook your phone up to the car. And you can, let me say it like this. If you would turn Fox News and CNN off in the morning and listen to the Bible on the way to work, it'll change your day. I'm telling you right now. It'll, you don't need to know what's going on around the world. It'll still be there at lunchtime. Like, like you can catch up later. But if you just took the morning, and said, okay, every morning, instead of listening to the news on the way to work, I'm just going to listen to the Bible being read to me. I guarantee it'll change your day. See, here's what the Bible says. Your word, God's word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light for my path. Like it shows me what to do. Like when I start the day in God's word, it it, it gives me wisdom for how to handle the meetings that I'm going to face today. It gives me wisdom for some of the decisions that I need to make. It gives me wisdom for for how I should be treating my wife and treating my family. It's a light. It's a lamp to where I'm going. So five minutes in the Word. Next, give five minutes to worship. Five minutes to worship. There's something so amazing about worship that it kind of soothes the the savage beast inside of us. How many of you seen the Snickers commercial, like where they're all crazy and then they have the Snickers and like everything's back to normal? That's kind of what worship will do. Like you just take five minutes to to worship God, and it just some of you experienced that this morning. Like you're sitting in the service this morning, and during the music, you just you had this calm come over you. This this, this it's, uh, you just felt God. What would happen if you recreated that experience every morning? Like, what would happen if you just kind of got up in the morning and you, you spent a little time in the Bible, and then you just five minutes, one song. You don't even have to sing it. Just, just sit, just play it, and just sit there and listen to it and let it come over you. I mean, do you, do you realize how powerful your day would become? One of the things we're doing right now is we're creating a Spotify account for our church with all of the music we do on Sunday. There's going to be a playlist every week for Sunday of just the songs we're singing that Sunday. And then, then kind of a, a, a bigger list of every, for those of you who are like, what is Spotify? Ask somebody younger than you, they'll explain it to you. 
They'll help you with it. It's, it's an incredible app. I, I have no idea. I, I worked all day long yesterday trying to figure out how to use it, and I got it. So if I could figure it out, you could figure it out. Uh, but it, it's just the music that we do as a church where you can just in the morning, if you don't have it, just, just go to our, our, our Spotify page and, and, and just let some worship come over your soul. David says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Like, like it'll, it'll change you. It'll change you. And then lastly, five minutes in prayer. Can you imagine what your week would look like if you did this every morning for the first 15, 21 days it takes to create a new habit? What would it look like if you just did this the first 15 minutes of every day? Just, just began, you know, five minutes in the Word, five minutes in worship, five minutes. Some of you are like, well, I don't even know how to pray for five minutes. All right, let me make it very simple. If you want five minutes of prayer, thank God, give them your requests. There's your outline. Thank God. I mean, you could spend five minutes doing that. I mean, God, thank you for my car. Thank you that I have a job. Thank you that last night I was able to sleep on a pillow. So many people in the world don't have pillows, and I was able to Thank you, God, that last night I was able to lock my door. There's so many people in the world can't even sleep in peace for fear of whatever might come in because they're either sleeping outside or they don't, they, they don't have a door to lock. And, and, and they're li- Thank you, God, that this morning when I woke up, I didn't have to walk a mile to get a barrel of water and drag it back to my house. But when I woke up, there was running water in my house. Just, I mean, you can spend some time thanking God. And then when you're done thanking God, give him your request. Okay, God, this is what's going on today. This is the challenges I'm facing. I'm going to need your help with some of this. I'm telling you, you can spend five minutes doing that. See, let's, let's read the whole verse together. Or not together, but just in context. Do not be anxious about anything. Like, don't worry. Don't, don't stress out. Instead, in everything, bring it to God in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Like, thank God for, for all the gifts he's given you. Present your requests to God, whatever you need. And then look at this, and, and, now we get into the, to the blessing of when we do that, the peace of God. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and guard your minds in Christ. Some of you have, haven't had a good night of sleep in a long time. You need God's peace. You need God to, to guard your heart and to guard your mind so that you can sleep and you can let go of some of the stress and the anxiety and the worry and the fear that you're carrying. I'm telling you, this is powerful. Five minutes in the Word, five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer. So the first one is foundational. I've got to accept God's truth as the, kind of the standard for my life. The second is, is I've got to do something daily. Here's, here's number three. Make it grow deeper in my life. Make it, and I need to challenge some of you to this third level. It's time for some of you to go to this third level. You have control over how much God gets inside of you. Like you have control. Look at this scripture. Let. Let. Let means you decide how you turn the faucet on. Like, like how wide are you going to turn the faucet How much are you going to let the word of Christ, God's word, the Bible, dwell in you? Like, you have to make this choice. Let, let me illustrate this. John Argus, where are you at? Can you bring out my water for me? Give John a hand, everyone, my wonderful assistant today. Let, let me illustrate this for you. This, this is a, uh, you know, a thing of hot water. I want you to think this is your soul. This hot water is your soul. This tea bag is God's word. 
See, here's the problem. Some of you are only one dippers. Like, like you come to church on Sunday and that's it. You know, like you get down there, you know, on Sunday and you're in Sunday for a little bit and then, and then that's it. I mean, you're done for the week. And, and, you know, that was as much of God's word you got in you. And, you know, it's changed, but honestly, not that much. I mean, I don't, you really can't call this tea, can you? I mean, it, it, it's really not. It's just, you know, and, and the truth is, like, like, my preaching isn't enough for you. Like, I wish it was. I wish I was, like, you know, somehow enough for you. But, you know, that kind of hurts my feelings. It's just not. Like, like <laughs> Sunday's not enough for you. Like what I, I have to get you dipping every day. Like, like you, you, you got to, you know, every day you get up and do the first 15 and, and get it in the Bible, get a little bit more in you. And then, then the next day, let's get a little bit more in you. And, and, and then like Wednesday, you know, middle of the week, let's, let's get a little bit more in you. And look what begins to happen. Look what begins to happen. The renewing of your mind through God's word. Like, like it, it begins to change you. It begins to transform you. I'll tell you what will happen. You'll begin to smell differently. You'll begin to taste differently. People around you are going to be like, like, what's different about you? You're, you're not the same. Like, like there's something different about you. Like, like, like you're softer. You're, you're sweeter. You're more patient. Like your wife's going to notice. Your kids are going to notice. Your husband. I mean, I'm telling you when, you, when you begin to get it in you more. So what are those dips? Well, let me make this very practical and give you just, just you know, four of the dips that I think that you really you need to make this practical. And first off is get a translation I like. Like get a translation of the Bible that you enjoy reading. Here's the thing. A lot of people ask me questions like, what's up with all these translations? Like there's all these different translations of the Bible. Well, here's the thing. The Old Testament was written in the original Hebrew language. The New Testament was written in the original Greek language. So the English Bible that we have was not like, they weren't speaking English 2,000 years ago. Like it was a different language. It was a different culture. So what we have are an English translation uh, from the original language it was written in. And so let me help you understand this a little bit more by explaining the different types of translations that are available. The first type is what we call a formal or an exact equivalency translation. This is a literal word-for-word translation of the original Hebrew or the original Greek. The problem with this type of translation is grammar changes. Like the way the Hebrews structured a sentence, the way they put the noun and the verb is different than the way we structure sentences today. So oftentimes if you read a a, a formal equivalency translation, it doesn't quite make sense because we, we phrase things, our grammar is different today. These are Bibles like the King James, and there's a whole movement out there. I don't know if, if you've ever experienced it, but a whole movement of King James-only people that, that believe if you're not reading the King James, you're not reading the Bible. Now, let me answer that for a moment. The King James was written in 1611 with language that none of us speak today. Like it was an English translation, but it was an English translation with a lot of these and thous and doethies and hitherto's and, and words that we just don't use anymore. Like, like they don't make any sense. But I've actually heard people say, well, if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. Paul wasn't alive, you know, when this King James was written. 
I don't think Paul lived that long. I mean, I think he was gone a long time ago. So, you know, it, Paul didn't speak in, in King James English. I'm just, just saying. Then there's the New King James. They took all the these and the thous and they made them like you and me and made it a little bit easier. There's the New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Version of the Bible. Uh, all great fun to study, to read. Then there's what we call the functional equivalency or the, or the dynamic equivalent Bible. This is like the NLT. The, the NLT is what we give away at our info center. This is one I encourage you to read for your morning devotionals. It's the easiest to read. Now, the difference here is it's not a word-for-word translation. It's a thought-for-thought or a phrase-for-phrase translation. They basically take the same phrase and, and they put it into our grammar. They, they rearrange the verb and the noun to fit kind of where we're at today. It doesn't change any of the meaning or change the noun and the verb. They just rephrase it where it makes more sense to us. The Good News Translation, the English Version Translation, and the NIV, which is probably the most popular since 1987. It has sold more copies than any other version of the Bible combined. Uh, NIV really could be a little bit of both because it was put together by a hundred different scholars who took the the formal and the functional and kind of merged them together in the NIV. So you'll see me use the NIV, NIV a lot when I'm teaching. Lastly, we have the paraphrase version of the Bible. This isn't a translation at all. They paraphrased it from the English versions. So the Living Bible was never like intended for, for anyone other than a guy wrote it for his kids to understand the Bible. They thought it was a good idea. They published it, and it went worldwide. The Message Bible, a lot of fun. One of my favorite Bibles to read just for fun, just to get a little bit more meaning. So let me kind of illustrate this for you. Uh, here's the King James Version of 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Now, look at some of these words that we don't use anymore. Charity suffereth long. Like, you almost have to have a list to read the King James. Suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not. When's the last time he said vaunteth in a sentence? I mean, not itself is not puffed up. I mean, that's, that's the King James for you. So same verse. Let me read it now in the NIV. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Same thing, just a newer translation. And then in the Message Bible, I love the Message Bible. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. And I love this one. Love doesn't have a swelled up head. Like, I just love the way the Message Bible puts it. It's, it's just a lot of fun. So let me just say, any version is better than no version. So just, just get a Bible, get a, get, get a translation you enjoy that you like. I like to study with the formal. Uh, I like to, to devotion with the functional. And I like to have a lot of fun with the paraphrase. So I, I enjoy all of them personally. So just find one that you like. Next up, get a study Bible. Some of you, some of you like, some of you just need to start reading the Bible, like get a paper Bible. Some of you, you've been around for a while. You need to kind of step it up a little bit. Like you need to go a little deeper. Like you don't need to just be, you need to be studying it out. So I want to encourage you to get a study Bible. What's powerful about a study Bible is at the beginning of every book of the Bible, you have like a research paper and it gives you like who wrote this book and what was the time period and what was happening historically when it was written and, and, and how do I understand kind of the meaning of this book. And then at the bottom of the page in a study Bible, it gives you a little commentary so you can read the top, which is the Bible. And then the bottom of the page has like co- kind of different commentaries that you can read to help you understand a little bit more of what you're reading. Here's four that I I personally really, really like. 
The Life Application Study Bible is probably the easiest study Bible to get, just to get going with a study Bible that comes in NIV and, and I think NLT translations. Uh, here's my favorite one, which is the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible. To me, this has the best commentary uh, out of any of them. Jack Hayford put this together and just a very, very powerful, like really puts things in context and really helps understand uh, the Maxwell Leadership Bible, this is a great one for business people, businessmen and women. It just kind of extracts all the wisdom and the leadership out of the Bible. So you're reading and, and it'll pull out leadership nuggets to kind of build your life on. And then here's the one I use every day. This is, this is probably uh, my personal study Bible that I use every day is the Archaeological Study Bible. I love archaeology. I love history. What's really fun about this, you'll be reading the Bible, and then it gives like research on different excavations and cities that have been found and different artifacts and and shows you how it kind of all comes together and ties it together with all of history and everything we know about history. So that's personally a really, really fun one to read. So find a translation you like, get a study Bible you like. Here's, Here's another dip to really get it to transform you. Get it in your heart. Get it in my heart. This is all about memorizing the Bible. Like, let's get it deep inside. There's powerful, powerful, powerful things that take place when you memorize the Bible. Look, look what Psalm says. I have hidden your word in my heart. Like, I'm memorizing God's word. Why? That I might not sin against you. Some of you have been struggling with some stuff in your life. I'm telling you right now, if you'll begin to memorize God's word, you'll get it deep down inside of your heart. What will happen is you won't have to keep yourself from doing that. You'll lose the desire. See, that, that, that's what's, when you, the more of God you get inside of you, it's not like you have to stop yourself from sinning. What begins to take place is you don't want to sin. Like you lose the appetite. You lose the desire the more of God you get inside of you. Now this last one, Let me say, if you really want your study life to come alive, if you really want to take it to another level, you've you've got to stop, you know, just kind of doing it on your own. And and let me say that one of the best ways to study the Bible is in a group. So I want to encourage you, if you really want to go deeper in God's word, get involved in a connect group. Get involved because there's something powerful about going on this journey with other people. There's something powerful about, about learning God. Like when I'm reading and I get with my connect group and, and they start, you know, like, what did you learn? What did you read? I'm struggling with this. I didn't understand that. Something powerful takes place. And we've got a lot of amazing connect groups around here. You know, we, we run them on three semesters. We have one semester, it's about to end. Another semester, it's about to begin. We got, to, we got one connect group that what they do every week is they get together and they take the, the, the sermon notes from the worship guide and, and you know, the, 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 the notes from the messages that I preach and they just get together and they talk about it. That's the really godly group. You know, the ones that just talk about my preaching all that. That's <laughs> just... But they're, they're amazing. We have one of the greatest Bible teachers in America, in our, our very own Joyce Myers, Mona Spade. If you want to learn the Bible, go to one of her women connect groups. I mean, they are powerful. Like, I have women every Sunday come to me saying, I'm learning so much from Mona. I wanted to get her to start a blog. Because, like, I, I sent her, like, a really tough, like, email that came in. And I said, can you, can, you, can you give me an answer for this? And she wrote the most beautiful response. Like, I want to publish it. Get it on a, like, start her own Dr. Ruth page with Mona or something. I mean, just, I mean, just the Bible answer woman or something. 
I mean, we've got some great just opportunities for you to go deeper in God's word. Even, even our surfing connect group, they, they talk about the one-year Bible before they hit the waves. I mean, they're like, like, what'd you read this morning? And, and man, that was probably, it changed me. And this is what'll happen. You keep getting God's word inside of you. You keep, I mean, you completely transform. Like you become something totally new. Like you're not, like you can't even call this water anymore. It has become something completely new because you just keep putting, putting more of God and more of God and more of his word, more of it into my life. It changes. As we're talking about dipping things right now, this is a great transition to surprise you with the spontaneous baptism. Some of you came to church today and had no idea that you were going to be baptized today. And today's your day. Today's your day to be water baptized. We built a baptismal right here. We've done it all services this morning. Like every service, like people have gone forward to be water baptized. They had no idea they were going to be baptized today. They, they, they came dry and they went home wet. I mean, that's just the way it works. See, here's the thing about water baptism. Like, like we believe this is so important. This really is so important to our faith. Water baptism is like a wedding ring. It's like a wedding ring. What would happen if every day when I went to work, I go into the garage, I take my ring off, I hang it up in the garage, I drive to work, I'm out all day, and then I come home, and then I put the ring on before I go upstairs. Eventually, my wife's going to want to know why. Like, why do you keep taking your ring off every time you leave the house? Do you not want anyone to know we're married? Are you ashamed of me? Do you, do you, do you want? No, no. See, the ring doesn't make me married. The ring is simply a public symbol of a commitment I made in my heart. Water baptism doesn't make you a Christian. It's a public expression of a commitment you have in your heart for Jesus. That's what it is. That's what it's all about. I've been baptized three times in my life. I got baptized, you know, when I was about 12, when, 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 when I gave my life to Christ, but then I fell away from Christ and I went into sin for many, many years. And so when I, when I finally came back to Christ, you know, a lot of people renew their wedding vows. I renewed my wedding vows and I got baptized again because I knew it was time. It was time for me to be baptized. And then I got baptized again in Israel because it was the Jordan River and I just wanted to be baptized where Jesus was baptized. So three times I've been baptized. Some of you, you've been in church 30, 40 years and you have never been water baptized. Some of you were water baptized as children or even as babies, but but in the Bible, nobody was ever baptized until they made a decision to follow Jesus. They had to make a decision to follow Jesus. Then they were water baptized. And so today's your day. Maybe, maybe you've been away from God and you've recently come back to God and it's time for you to make it public. Jesus said, if you'll acknowledge me in front of people, if you'll make it public, then I'll acknowledge you in front of my father. But if you deny me in front of people, like if, if you won't make it public, then I'm gonna deny you in front of the father. That's Jesus's words. So I know here's what you're thinking. You're like, there's no way I can be baptized today. I'm not prepared. I've got all these excuses for why it can't happen today. Well, we thought and prepared for every one of your excuses. And so we, 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 we've taken care of them all. So there, there's no excuse for why you can't be water baptized today. You're thinking, well, I don't have any clothes. We've got clothes for you. We, we have these beautiful t-shirts that say, I have decided. I have decided. This is a gift. This is a gift. You'll be able to take this home. They're black for a reason. We don't do baptisms in white t-shirts. We got black t-shirts to be baptized in. So we have t-shirts available for you. We have shorts. We, we have shorts in all sizes. They're supposed to be in there. 
Someone's getting fired today. Um, we have shorts in all sizes, black shorts. Black shorts, again, for reason they're black. So we have shorts for you, we have changing rooms, we have hair dryers, we have everything you need. Some of you are thinking, well, my family's not here. This isn't for your family. That's why we don't do formal baptisms. I don't believe they should be a ceremony for your family. I believe it's for Jesus and Jesus alone. That's why they're spontaneous. But I know you want your family to see it. So we've got photographers here and you can put your baptism on social media for all of your family to see. We've got it all available. You're thinking, well, what about my phone? I've never been separated from my phone before. I'll get, you know, like there's separation anxiety. We have a security table right outside the door with security who will watch your phone for the 90 seconds you are separated from your phone. It will be safe. We pro we've got every excuse taken care of. You have no reason. Some of you, you know, every time someone walks up to me and says, I know I should have gone today. And I just, I keep saying next time, if that's you, if you're right now saying, I'll do it the next time, I'm telling you right now, do it today. Don't wait, do it today. Make it public. Do it today. It's time to be water baptized. Stand with me. I'm going to count to the number three. When I get to the number three, I'm going to go change, put my swimsuit on. I will meet you here. This is what I want you to do. When I get to the number three, I want you to exit the doors behind you. Turn left. There is a check-in table. They'll give you shorts, T-shirts, everything. Everyone else, I want you to stay and celebrate. This is a powerful time. We're going to welcome these people into the family. So I just want you to worship right now as we're getting changed. Those of you being baptized, I'll meet you there.